0: Welcome this morning again, and uh, we're in uh, the third week of a sermon series on the fruit of the Spirit. And so this morning, this morning's fruit piece is patience. And last week, Pastor Angela was here. Uh, I was in Bronzeville, so I couldn't be here. Uh, Some of you all were here, some of you weren't, but I'm very glad for you that were here last week. You got a chance to see her again and hear her again again. We're very thankful for her presence. As I said a couple of weeks ago, our lead pastor's away. Uh, He's actually with a mission team this weekend, and so whenever you don't see him, uh, pray for him, pray for his family. They're in Medellin, Medellin, and uh, he's preaching over this weekend eight times or so, and so he's probably preaching right about now. And uh, so uh, if you find your mind scattering over the next few moments if you find yourself saying, boy, could they have not found a better person to stand up and preach, uh, pray for your pastor, okay? Uh, um, those, are, those distractions, if you will, those questions are good ways of opening us up to pray. So uh, pray for him. Uh, even now, just kind of silently ask God to be with him, uh, with Julio, who's preaching just as much as he is. Julio Isaza is uh, translating for him today. Uh, and has been throughout the weekend. And so we look forward to hearing what God is doing in their team. We're going to hear back when they do return. Pastor Peter will be here next week um, for the volunteer luncheon and also to do some other things in worship. Uh, So hopefully we'll get to hear about this weekend. Um, Galatians chapter 5 is uh, the anchoring text for our time. And I will tell you uh, that the second part of this message is going to involve you. I'll tell you now um, so that you can be thinking. Uh, I'm going to invite you to consider how God's been at work these days in your life, uh, these last few days, these last weeks. And that'll make some more sense uh, as I get to the last part of the message. But it will involve you... um, may be giving testimony uh, to the work of God in your life. And so be holding that kind of prayer about whether the Spirit is inviting you to share today. Um, at the end of the message, I'll put a microphone here, and we'll talk about and hear about what God's been up to. Uh, and it should make some sense for uh, the sermon focus as well. Um, so Galatians chapter 5 uh, I'm going to read more than uh, what we'll cover, but just to give you a little context, five, chapter 5, verses 16 through 26. This is the English Standard Version. If you have your Bible, you can turn there. Uh, it's up here as well. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another." Daniel, I don't know if I'm going to have more success with this, and so uh, if you're okay, we're just going to have to... Can you hear me? Can you all hear me? All right. Um, Paul's message in Galatians is freedom in Christ. Say the word freedom. Freedom. He writes about um, how, how Christ's entrance into our lives comes with a power that destroys our pasts, that, that, that breaks our relationship with the laws of our lives, and that offers us a new future, a glorious future, where we look more and more like God. When, when we receive the grace of God, when we get the grace of God in our lives, the grace of God becomes powerful, becomes productive, becomes creative, and God makes things in us out of that grace. So God comes into our lives, God comes into our experiences, and makes things in us, and the things that God makes in us, the new creation that God makes, the new future that God makes, the new evidence that God makes in us, is what Paul calls the fruit of the Spirit. The future to which God calls us is a future that includes qualities, that includes behaviors, that includes actions. And Paul's way of talking about those qualities or those actions or those behaviors is by talking about the fruit of the Spirit. This fruit collected together becomes a picture of what God is doing in our lives. The fruit becomes a picture of what new life in Christ looks like. It is the evidence that God has been at work in us, making us, forming us, changing us into the image of Jesus. That is what discipleship is. That is what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. It means to be changed into the image of Jesus. It means to be with Christ enough where we stop looking like ourselves and start looking like Him. As His disciples, we become like Jesus. We follow Him and His ways. We learn those ways and we live those ways by the help of the Spirit of God. The fruit in Galatians 5 is our way of talking about discipleship and what it looks like. It's our way of talking about evidence of God's work in us. So today's fruit piece is uh, patience. Say the word patience. Patience. Now, there are several people in Scripture who aren't the best models of patience. And when you think about patience, most of you know exactly what it means because either you're an extremely patient person. Uh, Most of the time we sort of function on these extremes. You're extremely patient and you're able to be patient. Or you're extremely impatient and you're not able to be patient and you're not able to understand people who are. And and, and there are people in the Scriptures who are good at patience and who are bad at patience patience. And patience has to do with remaining where you are. It has to do uh, with waiting. It has to do as Amanda said during announcements with, with uh, suffering long. That's one of the translations of, of this particular verse in different uh, ways of seeing scripture, other uh, versions. So, so what does it mean to suffer long? What does it mean in scripture to, to, to wait where you are? Who does this particularly poorly? Well, first person who does this poorly, who comes to mind for me, is Abram. Abram is uh, a very key figure in the first testament and in Genesis chapter 16 I don't have this on uh, I don't have this scripture on the slide but in Genesis chapter 16 we get a picture of Abram's uh, lack of patience and I want to read uh, this for you in verses 1 through 6. Now Sarah Abram's wife had borne him no children. She had a female Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar. And Sarah said to Abram, Behold now, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. You have to remember, if you're familiar with this story, and maybe if you're not, that prior to this, right in the chapter before this one, God had promised Abram that he and his wife, they're very, very old, even by our standards, they're a hundred almost. And so, uh, they've been, uh, as preacher I grew up with said, participating in the project, right? They've been, uh, they've been, uh, sleeping together and doing other things before sleep and they haven't conceived, right? So so, so Sarah is saying, Behold now, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Go in to my servant. It may be that I shall obtain children by her. And Abram listened to the voice of Sarah. This may be one of the only times in Scripture where the husband listens to his wife. So Abram listens. And after Abram had lived ten years in the land of Canaan, Sarah, Abram's wife, took Hagar the Egyptian, her servant, and gave her to Abram, her husband, as a wife. And he went into Hagar and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked with contempt on her mistress. And Sarah said to Abram, may the wrong done to me be on you. I gave my servant to your embrace. And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked on me with contempt. May the Lord judge between you and me. But Abram said to Sarah, behold, your servant is in your power. Do to her as you please. Then Sarah dealt harshly with her and she, Hagar, fled from her. Abram here is uh, exhibiting a kind of impatience with his wife. Some would say, and I would join them, that he's exhibiting a kind of lack of patience for God and God's promise. But but he's primarily exhibiting a, exhibiting a kind of impatience, a problem with being able to remain in the relationship as it is with his wife, Sarah. Well, Moses is another biblical example in Numbers 20 uh, verses 2 through 12. I won't read that particular one, but what you have here is Moses being told by God uh, to lead Israel, and he is with Israel in the wilderness. They are grumbling. The Bible says they are complaining, and they are looking for water, and God gives Moses an instruction. Moses, who is impatient with the people that he's serving, and and he strikes a rock when God tells him to speak to the rock. And so Moses is an angry man in scripture in general. He doesn't have a whole lot of patience. And this is one of those examples in Numbers 20. So you have Abram whose uh, lack of patience with his wife we see in Genesis 16. You see Moses in Numbers 20 with his lack of patience with the people he's serving, the people he's working with. And then in Exodus 14, you see Israel Israel exhibiting a lack of patience with its leadership. It's grumbling. It's complaining. Uh, the people of God are complaining. And then Jeremiah, uh, Ch- uh, Jeremiah, who, who uh, writes the book of Lamentations, exhibits a kind of grand impatience with God. He is a prophet uh, that we know about in the Old Testament, a strong, powerful prophet who laments what is happening in God's people in God's city, in Jerusalem, and he's lamenting in the book of Lamentations. And chapter 5 itself will kind of speak for this, but, but here is, here is a, a snapshot of what he's saying to God in this Lamentation. We get our bread, this is verse 9 and following, we get our bread at the peril of our lives because of the sword in the wilderness. Our skin is hot as an oven with the burning heat of famine. Women are raped in Zion. Young women in the towns of Judah. Princes are hung up by their hands. No respect is shown to the elders. Young men are compelled to grind at the mill. And boys stagger under loads of wood. The old men have left the city gate. The young men, their music. The joy of our hearts has ceased. Our dancing has been turned to mourning. Jeremiah here in Lamentations has no patience for God and so the scriptures and then another example uh, is the disciples in a kind of pervasive way you see a piece of that in Acts chapter 1 and 6 when they ask Jesus the same question they've been asking him for three years there there are all these examples in scripture of people who don't have this evidence at particular times in their lives And and I'm suggesting them for those of us who have a problem with patience those of us who feel like there's something wrong with us because we don't have that ability that God gives to remain where we are. We are not alone. And yet there is a call in the word of God for us to be this way, for us to be patient, for us to do patience. Now, if you can't tell, I have a few problems with patience in these our personal problems, and I won't talk a whole lot about my personal problems, but I've come up with some problems, and I think uh, these problems can uh, relate to some of you as well. And the first one uh, is that nobody wants to be patient. I not even Jesus uh, wanted to be patient. At least when he first started praying. Byron mentioned this to me this morning in the garden of Gethsemane. In Matthew uh, chapter 26 uh, verses 39 through 44, Jesus is there in the garden. He has his disciples with him and the disciples are tired. They've had a long day perhaps and Jesus says, stay with me and pray just for a little while. I'm going to go over uh, into uh, the garden a little bit, but you stay here, Peter, James, and John. I want you to pray. And Jesus goes in and you'll see the language of his prayer. He prays a prayer uh, and then he goes back. He prays for God to essentially undo his will. He says, I don't want to do this. I can't see myself doing this. I can't wait for you to bring redemption in the way that you've put in front of me. I, I'm not willing to do this but if you have to have it, if you need to have it, then I'll let your will be done in my life. And, and, and you see the wrestling in Jesus who says on the one hand, uh, I don't want this but let your will be done. And on the other hand, walks away and comes back to say, I still don't want this. And he's going back three times, praying the same prayer that God's plan, as he understands it in Gethsemane, would be changed. Not even Jesus wants to be patient. And so if Jesus doesn't want to be patient in his role in redemption, why would anybody else? So that's one problem. Number two, the problem with patience in my mind, uh, at least this week, is that patience stretches us um, too far in the godliness. patience stretches us far into godliness godliness is god likeness and in ephesians uh, chapter 5 verse 1 paul says paul says get this he says be imitators of god And we talk about Christian life as if it's easy. We talk about the Christian life as if it's simple. And and, and Paul captures what Christianity is about when he says in one verse, be imitators of God. When it comes to remaining when it comes to sustaining when it comes to suffering when it comes to being patient what does it mean to imitate God well well God sees every event in a particular way God well the first is God sees every event God does not see an event in an isolated fashion God sees the end of a thing before a thing begins so so God looks at my life today through the prism of the end of my life. Patience and imitating God makes us see life potentially as if the ends are known from the beginning. So if you're sick and you're wondering what sickness and patience have to do with each other, being present to that sickness or or waiting through that sickness is not accepting sickness as the end, but it is acting as if the end is already known. And the problem is only God can do that. Only God can see... That far. And so Paul in places like Philippians 4 and 6 or James 5 and 8 says to uh, pray about everything. Don't be anxious about anything. What does that mean? It means that prayer is the the mechanism, the behavior. It is the act. It is the discipline of, of putting ourselves in a posture to see how God sees. Prayer means saying to God in your own way, help me see what you see. That God-likeness comes through patience. Third problem I have with patience this morning is that patience leaves us open to Failure. Patience leaves us open to failure. Uh, this is up here because I, I want to just sort of read this sentence slowly. When you are patient or when you remain where you are, believing that God can move you from where you are, it could mean that you don't get to be where you'd like to go this is what i mean by failure i th- i think i think um, that what comes with patience is the possibility for god to fail you does that make sense God, after all, could not come through for you. I want to go here, and God does not take you there. That is patience in action. It is, it is I stay where I am regardless. And that's a kind of failure. But it is exactly what scripture calls a life of faith, where we go with God wherever God goes, even if we don't get to go where we want to go. And I I have a problem with that person. I mean, it's a problem because it means I may not have what I want, even though I have faith. Now, what about patience in our lives? These these are three sort of problems of patience. These are three pieces that make patience really difficult for me personally to imagine. And as I come to Scripture in Galatians chapter 5, Paul's talking about these pieces of fruit. And the first thing before I get in the the last sort of part of the message is is that Paul remember has an overarching theme that we aren't bound by our past, that that we aren't bound by um, the the old laws of our lives, that we don't have to be bound by, in this case, impatience or a history of impatience, but we can be um, in step with the spirit that we can be in line with the Spirit. There's a possibility for us to pursue this fruit, for us to to not necessarily produce this, but to pursue uh, patience in this way. So what does it look like? There are a couple of quick individual points and then a practice for us corporately, and then uh, we'll wrap up. So uh, individual pieces, individual practices, and these are several. Uh, you can do or think about any of these, and so I'm going to run through these pretty uh, quickly. The first is listening with closed lips. What, what enables us to, to wait? What enables us to suffer? What enables us to be patient or to act Patiently, The first is listening with closed lips. It is essentially closing our, our mouths and listening to other folks, putting ourselves in the position not to talk our ways out of things, but to listen and to hear and to be formed by listening, to be made into listeners, to be made into people who don't have to rush through something that's being said in order to say something. So one individual practice, and I want you to be thinking about these practices and how they might look in your life today, this week. What does it mean for you to listen? The second is uh, serving in a different time or serving with a different sense of time. I mentioned that God has a way about time where God sees things, happening uh, in a context of God sees time in a context of eternity. And for the Christian, part of the Christian life is learning how to see time and eternity or learning how to see time in eternity. So learning how to see all my life is not about to end right now because this thing didn't go my way. God sees this in a broader picture. And so the individual practice is, is you living your life, serving others with a different sense of time, not being so so high-strung um, about your relationship as if it all hinges on now, but trying to introduce a longer sense of time. Number three, telling of our Hope, Telling of our hope. Bearing witness. Some of you uh, understand the word evangelize. We talk about sharing faith. I, I, I sort of mean this. I think one of the things that can make me personally and us as a church, individually folks in our church, more patient is telling the story. Of our hope in Christ, because our hope in Christ is unfinished. So there's a sense in which we are already out of time, and the telling of what God is doing, the telling of how God is at work is a, is, is a storytelling device that shapes us into patient people, because our story is not finished. God is at work and we are hopeful because God is at work, but God has left some projects incomplete in our lives. And, and as I, I think I mentioned this two weeks ago, that what sustains us when God has not finished things in our lives are the, the ways that other folks will talk about the things that God has finished. And so if I'm in a situation uh, where, where God is, is, is leaving some things undone and you're in a situation where God has finished some things, you sharing and telling of what God has finished encourages me when God has not quite finished. The fourth sort of individual practice is pretty meditative and um, internal. It's reminding ourselves of God's sovereignty It's it's preaching to yourself. It's talking to yourself that God is in control. It It is learning in your own way to remember that God has as much power necessary to do what you're waiting on God to do. God has as much ability to accomplish the thing you're praying about as it takes. The fruit of the Spirit is not just what God wants from us. God does not just want us to be loving. God does not just want us to be peaceful. God does not just want us to be joyous. God does not just want us to be patient. God is patient. God is peaceful, joyous, loving. And we need to remind ourselves that what God is trying to create in us, God is to us finally before the corporate practice uh, is I think we need to create uh, slow zones in our lives. And What I mean by that is uh, create places in our lives where we are uh, intentionally doing things at a different pace, where we are intentionally trying to uh, trying to work less, trying to act less, trying to go after less. In our biblical tradition, Sabbath is one of the ways that we do this. Jews often do this better than Christians. Christians sort of dispense with Sabbath as if Sabbath uh, has less meaning and less significance. But this is precisely the point. Sabbath is a weekly slow zone. It is a, it is a 24-hour period where we work um, by reflecting on what God is doing, where we pull ourselves away from all that we do and slow down. And I think we need moments of that every day. I think we need moments of that in our individual lives weekly. I think we need moments of that here and there so that we can become patient people. Finally, uh, doing patience together. What, what might this... Uh, look like? What might it look like for us as a church? And these previous practices were individual practices. What might it look like for us as a church uh, to become patient? How might we do this? And uh, I want to introduce to you very quickly and briefly a practice called a prayer of examine, prayer of examine, prayer of Examine that word. Examine. E X A M E N. An examine is a Latin word that has to do with uh, measurement. It has to do with accurately measuring something. Um, and the prayer of examine is a kind of prayer that that opens us up to measuring, if you will, or assessing or observing God's activity in our lives, okay? So there are a few movements to this prayer of examine, and I want to give it to us as a congregation. Uh, I'll have a couple of, uh, just a couple, I've printed out some if you're inclined to look into this more. I'll put it on the table after service uh, about the prayer of examine. Um, but, but, but what what, what the prayer looks like is it looks first uh, like taking uh, a few minutes and for our purposes I have five minutes uh, in a day uh, you can do this in a week Uh, But again, for us, I'm suggesting that uh, we do this daily. So uh, taking five minutes a day uh, to note what has happened. How many of you raise your hand if you have a calendar, a physical calendar, not the thing on your phone, a real calendar, a physical calendar, right? Some of you. Okay. now the rest of you who have a calendar that you live by somewhere that has no place to live, like it's on your phone. Others, raise your hands. Raise your hands. Obviously, you can tell what kind I have, right? Uh, so, so you have a calendar, right? Um, uh, this will connect with you if you live by your calendar, if you set yourself an appointment. So you, you take five minutes at the end of today, and you look through your calendar, and you say, What happened today? What did I do today? What happened to me? Uh, What was I a part of today? So the first movement, technically the first movement of the prayer of examine is asking God to be present and to lead you in this. So that's technically step number one. Step number two is saying, okay, what happened in my life today? And you might use your calendar. You might just think through things and you're thinking about everything and anything that happened. And you're making a mental note or a physical note of what happened today. Step Number two is that you ask yourself of those events, of those things that happened, again, for our purposes, what brought patience to life in me? And there are various ways you can ask this second question. The second question in general is not about patience, but since I'm preaching about patience and I'm using this for this sermon, um, I'm talking about patience. But this second movement is, is essentially, uh, this is the next slide, Marcus. You're asking yourself, what brought life in general? But I'm, I'm putting patience in there. So, so the second movement here is, what brought patience to life in me today? The next slide and the next step is, what of those events uh, brought patience to death? In other words, what did I do in this day that didn't make me more patient? What did I do today that made me a quicker moving person, a person who's uh, the opposite of patient, impatient? That's the, the, the third question here, or the uh, second question. And then the final question is to ask of the Holy Spirit, what's... Your direction for my life tomorrow. What's next? So you have these movements. The first is to take some slice of time and to think about what happened. The second movement is to ask the question what of what happened, what brought patience to life. The third question is what brought patients to death. And the final uh, question is a question for God uh, to give you a sense of what God would have you do tomorrow, what God would have you do next. Does this make sense to you? I- I'll give you license to tell me if it doesn't. So if it doesn't, if you want me to go back over this, because it's important, I want you to get this, I want you to understand this. I see a thumbs up, okay? Now, what, what, I, what I'd like is to give us some time uh, to actually practice this so you have a sense of what this might feel like in the congregation. And um, I'm going to give you not five minutes, but maybe two and a half. And I'm telling you two and a half, but those of you who are like, how long is this going to be? How long is this going to take? I'm going to give you two and a half minutes just to think about what has happened from the time, from this time yesterday, okay? So it's about 11, 10, 11, 12. From around this time yesterday to today, I want you to take two and a half minutes, this is gonna be really quiet, except for the kids who aren't quiet, to think about what's happened. And if you want, just kinda note stuff, if not, just kinda tag it in your memory. This is a congregational practice, so we're doing this together. This is a part of the sermon, okay? So you can't get up and leave. Don't get up and leave. Uh, Kasha, you can walk out because you got your baby. That's fine. But, uh, but take the next two minutes or so and just consider what has happened. Now, if, if we were going to go through the next two movements together the question would be of what has happened, the things that have come to mind, where did you sense patience coming to life? Secondly, where did you sense patience in you dying? And then the the next question after that would be God, what do I do tomorrow? What What am I aware of tomorrow? Now, very clearly, I want you to do this every day this week. I want our church to live this practice this week. So you can do it every day at 11.15. You can do it every day at the end of your day. What happened in the last 24 hours? And for our church together to be asking God the question, what do I do tomorrow? How do I create patience in me tomorrow? What Destroy the patience that you placed, produced in me.